Come on, Irish. Come on, then. So he knows his own name? Yo, he knows his name and everything, believe it or not. What I do with him, I'll go walking down the road with him, and this guy turned around to me one day and he says, why do they call you Pigeon Pete? And I says, well, watch this. And I stuck my hand up and I went, come on, Irish. And he come and flew in. And they're all just stood there in total amazement. Obviously, I'd been working up to this for weeks. They didn't know that, of course. <laughs> I'll just fit in one of the one of the whistles on on the pigeon's tail. All fingers crossed. We've got three prototype whistles to test, but it would be good. I know you want to fly the birds together as a group to release them one by one. Okay. So we can tell which which is which. Would that be possible? No problems whatsoever. No problems whatsoever on that one. I'm quite looking forward to this. What's your honest feeling though? Do you think it's going to work? Or? I'm hoping it works, obviously. Oh, that one's, you're putting it on backwards there, Pete. Yeah, thank you. And fingers crossed. Are we ready then? Right. Come on, my little beauty. Pete launched the birds. The first shot away with the sound disappearing with it. The wind taking the sound with it. So we sent off another to join it. I've lost them, Pete. Where are they? Just there. Up there. See them. Yeah, they're really, really funny. But of course they did come back, carrying their whistles behind them. The beauty of the pigeon as well, once you've got them right and trained, the loyalty of that pigeon is unreal because it comes back to you. Not quite what I'd hoped for. When it came to making pigeon whistles, we were a few centuries behind the Chinese and Indonesians. That spring, when the moon was full and the river was high, I drove down to Somerset to follow the eels. A million of them had converged on the River Parrot that year. A sudden and mysterious surge from the west after years of declining numbers. The migratory route of the eel is a famously secretive journey. In the autumn, full grown, they leave the rivers of Europe and cross the Atlantic, 3,000 miles to the Sargasso Sea to breed. The Sargasso Sea is a warm and salty deep blue gyre, and there it disappears, diving 1,000 meters down, deeper than a nuclear submarine, too deep to follow. No one has ever seen the eel spawn. Still, its eggs hatch and the larvae drift back to Europe on warm oceanic currents, arriving as tiny glass eels 300 days later. Once, eels arrived in such profuse numbers that farmers would use them as fertilizer on their fields, and there would be elver-eating contests held along the river contenders drinking them back in long drafts from pint jugs. Today, it is critically endangered due to the uncrossable, man-made barriers that now line their route eastward, unscreened water pumps, hydropower stations, drained wetlands among them. That spring night in Somerset, the fishermen gathered on the riverbanks with 
plastic buckets and wooden trays to carry the glass eels over the dams and weirs and flood defences to where they could find a clear stretch of water to swim. 4, 12, 56.